Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. So I just want to send a big shout out, you know, to my supporters, to my family, my friends, all my communities far and near. Want to send a big hug out to everybody. I know a lot of people, you know, have been taking a lot of big deep breaths lately because of the holidays. And I know a lot of people are probably relieved right now, you know, to be able to put that behind us. And uh, I know the future is unpredictable right now with everything that's going on. But, you know, I just, you know, my best advice to everybody, man, is just to stay positive, man. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's easy to be negative and to focus on the things that ain't going right. But, you know, if we just, uh, you know... Uh, uh, express gratitude, you know what I'm saying, just for life in general, man. You know, I think that, you know, life is a lot easier when you can just be grateful for even the small things in life, you know. But today we got a guest here today, my brother Travis Castile, you know, good brother, man, Uh, good solid brother, very intelligent. Uh, He's been through a lot. He's had some highs and lows, but right now, um, you know, he's taking care of his business, and I'm going to let him introduce himself to you and let you guys know who he is and where he's from. Yeah, so I'm uh, Travis Castillo, and, uh, you know, I'm from Southwest Detroit originally. It's where I was born. It's where I was raised. But, however, I bounced around. You guys will hear about that. I went to a lot of schools, went to a lot of different cities, towns. But, uh, you know, we'll get into all that. And uh, I'm 33, and I'm doing great. I feel good. Life is great besides this pandemic and uh, the struggles uh, I come across with other people. You know, we try to do our part, but I feel like... Me personally, I'm doing good, I'm stable, and God's blessed me. So the brother Travis is a returning citizen. He just served, what, 12 years? 12 years. Been home four months, taking care of his business, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to let him tell you guys about the journey, you know, from you know from the beginning to end to where how he got to where he, we, he was at, you know what I'm saying? Like, like him and I, we related through marriage, through our families, you know what I'm saying? We ran into each other in the joint. Um, I did time with him. I did time with his father. You know, both good, good brothers, you know, good, solid brothers. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, grateful to have, you know, have met both you and cross paths with both of you and right. uh, and to be able to be here with you today. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, you know, going to prison, man, it's like you just get caught up in a vicious cycle. You just get consumed by the lifestyle of being in prison where you be there so long that it, prison life becomes normal to you. You know, so it just, you know, seeing long term prisoners coming home and and being able to uh, find their way back again. And and, and it's a journey to normalcy. You know, we go through a lot of different transitions in life, mental, emotional, uh, spiritual, physical transitions that we still adopting to. And a lot of brothers don't realize that there's certain things they're going to go through. They're going to trigger certain emotions. You know what I'm saying? And and a lot of times the things them things will break you down. So you got to really be prepared for that and be prepared to build yourself uh, right back up. Just how we have been yes, you know sir. what i mean positive yeah. so uh what part of uh what part of the neighborhood did you grow up in so you know i bounced around the neighborhood too but mainly uh you know michigan and lano that was my neighborhood we usually stuck around that little area you know i grew up on renville i lived on renville for some years and that's what i call home you know that's where i learned how to do a lot of the things that i was doing growing up you know mm-hmm. and uh, that's where i went to school at you know i went to logan elementary school Okay. You know, Munger, middle school. All right. But, uh, you know, I bounced around. I went to a lot of schools and uh, lived on a, diff- a bunch of different blocks. But if I was... Within, a, within the within, neighborhood. Within the neighborhood, yeah, okay. outside the neighborhood, you know. But uh, so I feel like I can relate to a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, But right now, you know, I'm doing good. I'm in the center line. 
That's where you had Sunny Lines? Yeah, okay. Because you, know? you told me, you said you were bounced around over the years of different cities. Like, what other cities have you lived in? Man, I lived on different parts of Detroit. We've been through everywhere. The east side. Hamtramck, you said Ham you lived Tramic. in too? Wow. Yeah, Hamtramck. I love Hamtramck. Hamtramck's a nice place. Yeah? Very diverse. Very diverse. Warren, you talked about Warren, living in Warren you know, before. we lived in Warren. What was it like living in Warren? Man, Warren, you know, Warren, you know, when I went out there, it was a very, it's a nice community. It's mm-hmm. a very nice community, you know. That's by Centerline, right? And, yeah. Yeah, I got some family that used to live out that way. Yeah. And up to that point, it was probably the nicest place I've ever lived, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit different. It took me a minute to fit in with the other crowds mm-hmm. because it was a little bit different. You know, they didn't have a lot of the things that was going on where we were from, you know. They didn't have a lot of drug dealing going on, you know. There wasn't a lot of... Uh, shootings and things like that but you know they had their own you know in the pockets of Warren they had stuff going on which mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time you know because yeah. I was young but uh, <clears throat> Warren, uh, Warren was a nice place it took me a minute to fit in you know I kind of felt like an outcast for a little bit but you know I what made you feel like in. that well it made me feel like that is because you know I didn't really have um they didn't have gangs or the type of slang that we use okay. and stuff like that. So it was kind of made me feel like an outcast a little bit in the beginning because um, they didn't use that type of slang out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. They didn't have, you know, the groups out there was more based on, like, uh, the way you dressed, you know. <laughs> Damn, okay. Yes, sir. So, yeah. you know, maybe the car you had. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. uh, It was more of a status thing out a there. A status thing, okay. right? All right, I understand. And then, you know. And, you know what and, about the community? Like, was there diversity? Like, were there other Latino people out there? You know, I, I've ran into probably a couple of Latino uh, people, which I've called friends there. Mm-hmm. Um, an Asian that I was actually end up becoming real cool with. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have a lot of blacks, but there was some blacks at that time. There wasn't a lot of blacks there mm-hmm. at, at that school or in that, that, that community. It was mostly whites. It was okay. mostly whites. What was it like living in Hamtramck? Now, Hamtramck, man, I learned a lot of Hamtramck. Hamtramck yeah. was, 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 a, was a very diverse. You had your Polish people, mm-hmm. which I've met a real good Polish friend there that I'm still in contact with, man. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, they have... Uh, you know, there's Muslims. You know, I've learned about uh, okay. the Muslim culture. Well, you know, we learned a lot Arabics. about that in prison, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, it just, exp- you, you explore a whole new world. You get educated to so many things that you yeah. didn't even exist. Belief system, moral system, value systems, yeah. things like that. And it's like, wow, you know, if you're an open-minded person, you can go to prison and learn a lot. You know, the more that you learn mm-hmm. about yourself, the more that you learn about life in general, you know. And that's the thing about the street, though, <clears throat> bouncing around. I learned about all these different cultures and, you know, and uh, religions and belief systems. And it actually taught me a lot. It opened my eyes. It helped me be a open-minded person. Would you and, say that living in Warren maybe kind of um, not forced you, but kind of encouraged you to, to be a little bit more diverse in your in your vocabulary and maybe absolutely. articulating yourself a little bit better, like cleaning absolutely. yourself up because, you know, a lot of times we come from the hood, man. We got a lot of rough edges, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you level up a little bit, man, you got to you got to have higher standards for yourself and, mm-hmm. and for your community, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I really wish that, that more people from the neighborhood 
um, you know, would definitely level up mentally, man, because, you know, it's like I go to a lot of these suburbs and stuff and I see like they got clean streets and, you know, there's no, uh, you know, graffiti on their walls. And it's like, you know, really, it's about the people. The people just care about where they live. They care they about do. their community and they, they care about. And, and I know our people, man, we are like really good people. We got good hearts, big hearts, traditions. We love, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, we just need to um sharpen up all the rough edges that we got, man. You know what I'm saying? And clean ourselves up, man. Because, you know, people are only going to treat us according to how we treat ourselves. You know what I'm saying? You don't see all this pollution and all that stuff in their neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? But it's in ours, you know. But I, I think that, you know, whatever we can do to to make to make our environment the best that we can, living conditions for us and for our future, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's something that we definitely need to focus on Absolutely. and level up mentally in the neighborhood for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's dope because I'm assuming that, you know, like myself, I I obtained diverse social skills. Like I was able to speak on many different levels. I was able to comprehend, you know, because I had diverse friends, you know, from from Arab descent. You know what I'm saying? From, you know, Native American descent, you know, just different people. I was always open minded. I've always been a people person. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine like how good it was for you to be able to learn different cultural beliefs, you know, from Hamtramck, you know, to Warren. And you said East Side, too, right? You was over there for yeah, I lived on the east side, six mile a mound, you know. And it's like, and to me, I'm like, how does that work? You know, you know what I'm we saying? You African American brothers over there, and man, they were so cool. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, that's kind of been my style a little bit. I'm Latino, you know, mm-hmm. but I like my rap music. You know, I like the way that they got swag and they dress down. You know, I'm, I'm with you it, know you know. Doubt. So I was yeah. over there, like, I'm fitting in, you know, I'm one of you guys, you know, and mm-hmm. they accepted me, you know, not just as a Latino, but just as a person in general. Mm-hmm. They accepted me, you know, and, you know, they're rough around the edges too. Just like mm-hmm. any neighborhood is, but you know, I found my way. I fit in, you know. You know, I was doing my dirt, you know, but it helped me fit in over there. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your parents, bro. So my parents. So uh, you know, my mom. She pretty much raised me. She was a single mother. Uh, okay. You know, my father. Did you have any siblings? Yeah, I had siblings. Uh, okay. So my mom had four children. You know, my dad also had a child. Okay. So I had, technically had two sisters. And I had two brothers. Okay. And then me. All right. And uh, so my mother, she grew up as a, you know, a single mother. And I know what the struggles are as a single mother. I seen it right there in person as a child. And I understood it. Like, it did not, there was not a moment that I was a child and says, well, then he doesn't understand. He's a kid. So I understood. I mm-hmm. knew exactly what was going on. I knew that when we had to eat on the floor, you know, sometimes with our fingers or, you know, canned foods, because we didn't have money or mm-hmm. because we spent all our money just to be able to rent a house or an apartment, mm-hmm. I knew those struggles. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And, um, you know, like, like like it's really real. Like, you know, I've been there before. Like, you know, we depended on the Focus Hope, Hope, Focus Hope cheese and yes, meat sir. and all that stuff. Like, we really relied on that, you know, to be able to, to, be able to you know, get, get through it, you know. Yeah. I remember having the little cards for school to get the free lunches and stuff like mm-hmm. that like free lunches all that you know i mean you know it is it is what it is man you know a lot of us grew up in situations that were definitely out of our control and you know poverty you know it's contagious man it gets passed down from generation to generation but you know like i said man be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind we definitely have you know the opportunity and the privilege as human beings to be able to change our day and the direction of our day from day to day we have that kind of power 
You know what I'm saying? So that, you know, you like I said before, you're going to be around people who are going to bring out the best in you or the worst in you. When you're around me, I want you to feel powerful. I want you to feel intelligent. And I want you to feel loved. And I want you to feel like you got a purpose in life. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, you know, it, it's so good to be around you brothers because we all sources of power. You know what I'm saying? We all sources of intelligence. Yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> My man, bro. That's 100, though. Yeah, no doubt. And then man. you know, at the same time, to capitalize on that, it's 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 not to be used as an excuse. You know, mm-hmm. we use it as an excuse. You know, well, we come from the bottom, we come from the trenches. Nobody cares about us, and we use that as an excuse. And mm-hmm. that's the whole reason we're here right now is to show that we don't need to use that as an excuse no more. Mm-hmm. We are what we are because we're not using that as an excuse no more. You yeah. know, and uh, I feel like that if we can do it, anybody can do it. Just put your mind to it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, baby. Just like when we did them big old beards, shit. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. You know, you ain't got no choice. You know, so um, so you were raised by a single mother. Like, what was that like? You know, and where was your father? You know, what happened with that? So, uh, so I was raised mostly by a single mother. You know, we had relatives. You know, I had my grandparents. I was in and out of their lives as a child. I was in and out of their lives, but um, it was me and my mom. You know. And uh, my two, my brother and my sister, you know, they had a different father, and mm-hmm. their father took them from us. And you know, I didn't see them from the age of three or four all the way to eighteen. I didn't see wow. them. Okay. So, and then my brother, my older brother, he lived with uh, our grandparents. Okay. And my father, uh, he ended up going to prison as well. How and, old were you when he went to prison? Uh, I'll probably say I was like two. I don't remember. You know, I was a child okay. at the time. But, All right. So uh, I don't remember him, and right. I don't remember when he went to prison. Okay. But he did do time. He went to prison. You know, he struggled with addiction, as many people do out here. It's, what type of addiction did he struggle with? <clears throat> he struggled with addiction uh, that I know of is mostly like crack, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know, back then, especially in the late '80s, early '90s, mm-hmm. you know that. Crack was hitting the streets oh, hard. Absolutely, in especially in Detroit. You know, for sure. so you know, it, it got with him. It caught up to him, you know, and it landed him in prison, you know, and I missed out on that. You know, I missed out on having that <clears throat> father figure. But uh, you know, my mom she held it down. She held it down. What was it like like <clears throat> growing up without a father figure though? Like did you have any male figures in your life that you could, <clears throat> you know, look up to or at least turn to, something like that? So, you know, my uncle, which is his father, you know, he would mm-hmm. come see me from time to time. You know, and I have my grandparents. I have my grandpa, which I would see from time to time. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, where I lived and where I was at on a daily basis, the only the only leadership that I looked up to is even close to father figure is people that were in the streets, the dope dealer mm-hmm. on the street, Absolutely. or the gangbanger around the corner. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I Did you end up getting? Were you in a gang? So when I was younger, you know, I was around a lot of gangs. Okay, what gang? What gang and there was a bunch of different gangs, and uh, so I started affiliating with the the GDs. That the was GDs. over at McGraw. Okay, that was you know over. My brother Juan, rest in peace. Yeah, I heard about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and I started affiliating with them. You know, we're young, dumb. You mm-hmm. know, we do the beat ins, and you know, we learn the signs and stuff like that. But you know, we wasn't the button, but neighborhood kids. You know, mm-hmm. and then we looked up to our guys. You know. Rest in peace, Tone. We used to look up to him. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Et. We used to we used to look up to him. We used to look up to all them guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so homies. those are the guys I used to look up to. But so as father figures, those were like the father figures. Those are the people that I looked up to. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And um, 
So, like, did they navigate you, you know, through through your journey of being in the streets? Like, what was your main thing in the streets? And and, and I asked to be specific just because, you know, everybody's in the streets, but everybody's in the streets doing something different. Something like different, I said, yeah. people are, you know, stealing cars. People are, you know, breaking into houses. People are selling drugs. People are prostituting. Like, there's so many things that come with being in the streets, you know yeah. what I mean? Panhandling, all that. It's all part of the yeah. streets, you know? But, like, like, what part of the streets, you know, I understand you was in a gang, so that that'll keep you in the streets is the gangs but like what was your thing that kept you out there you know um yeah when i mean when i was in the streets i mean we're talking about over years we're not saying you know when i was 10 but i'm talking about from 10 to the age that i went to prison or got out and went back to prison you know i, I was with it all you know how old were you when you went to prison first time i was 17 okay. 17 when I 17 when you went to prison okay what'd you go to prison for so I went into prison, um, you know, I was living out in Warren when I, when I moved to Warren when I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, with my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, they gave me a good life. And uh, I was out there and I was getting into trouble a little bit. But when my mom moved out there, I started breaking into houses. Okay. I felt like, uh, you know, I felt like we didn't have what everybody had, else had out there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted uh Like it was just an accomplishment just living out there. Just living but then out to there. get up to the level and standards of yeah. how they live out there is a yeah. whole other thing. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to have that Abercrombie they was wearing all the time. I didn't even know what Abercrombie was until I moved out there. Mm-hmm. Hostile, what was that? What's a hostile? But I learned it when I was out there, and I was like, I need me some of that. And, yeah. uh, and so in order to get that, I knew my mom couldn't afford that. I knew my grandparents wasn't going to buy that. I wasn't going to ask them. But mm-hmm. So what I did was I felt like that I needed to, and I feel like that to this, to this day is to provide for myself. I don't ask anybody for anything. Mm-hmm. Are there people that help me? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I got a very good support system out there right now. Yeah, Amazing. that's important to have, Amazing. man. That's an absolute blessing, man. But, uh, you know, I always felt like I had to provide for myself, even at that age. And um, I used to run out there and do my little dirt, you know, breaking the houses and take that money and try to use it to buy drugs or whatever I can to be able to sell this and that. I mean, everybody knows that. You know, everybody's out there mm-hmm. doing their own thing and people can relate to that. I ain't telling no lies and I went to prison for breaking in the houses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know in the neighborhood we grow up with that by all means necessary mentality mm-hmm. that only the strong survive mentality. So yeah. we think it's okay to go ahead and steal, rob, shoot, kill because that's, 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 that's yeah. normal in, in our community. You know what I'm saying? That's a social norm where we come from. But when you look at how other people, other civilizations function, you know, uh, you know, to be civilized, you know, um, it's like it's like the way we live are is so animalistic or lived, you know yeah. what I mean? But so many people who come from neighborhoods, when you talk about, you know, the the, the, the gutters in, in Chicago and in, in, in New York and Detroit, like, you know, it's just like. You know, it's like it's like a foreign country almost because of the mentality, because of the environment. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like like you really in a war sometimes, yeah. a war with drugs, a war with you know with mental health, with you know Spiritual so many war. Absolutely, identity crisis. You know, people are going through suicide, <laughs> drug addiction. Like you know, every so many people are going through so much, man. And I just. Uh, you know, I, I just, my heart goes out to people, man, because I got such a big heart, man, and a heart for humanity, man, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, my heart breaks to see people like this, you know, and, and now that I have such a, a, a conscious mind, you know, and to wrap my, my, my mind around, you know, the, the things, the tragedies, you know, in, 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 in this world today, man, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, I just feel like it's, it's our responsibility to be able to level up and set a new standard to set a new pace on how we live our lives. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and we the I pillars, we the ones to be the leaders to do that. I appreciate what you do. You do a lot for the community, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the main reason I come here because you inspire me. You know, as you mm-hmm. know, I've contacted you with people who've mm-hmm. dealt with struggles, who are dealing with struggles, and I'm like, man, these people out here they need us, you know. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, more than anything, bro. And in every way, they need our time, they need our love, they need, you know, they need our advice. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They need our presence. You know, all that good stuff, yes, bro. Man. So, you know, we're, like I said, we're a source of power, man. And you got to share that, share, share your wealth of power, share your blessings with your people, with your community, you know, mm-hmm. have their best interests at heart, man. Yes. You know, so, um, so you got, you got, you got some kids? You got any kids? No, I don't got any kids, you know, but, okay. uh, uh-huh. you know, I just had got some news that I, uh, I got a kid on the way. Oh yeah. yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. I don't have bro. no kids, so. This yeah. is my first time, and okay. you no, know, but I love kids, and I want kids. Mm-hmm. So, and how long you been home, bro? And I've been home four months. For four months, okay. Four months, and uh, <laughs> you know that's that's good. Like, how 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 are you adjusting to the world, man? Uh, I feel like I'm adjusting good. So when I first got out, I was having my struggles. You know, I didn't really want to be around too many people. I wanted to be around family, people that I trusted, that I knew that had my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, it's a doggy world out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I kind of just took baby steps and stuff and I got out there and uh you know I contacted my cousin and uh he contacted me actually we pulled up to him as a surprise we exchanged numbers and uh started working together and as I was telling you before the show sky's the limit like we started our own business that's sweet bro that's dope that's dope we didn't doubt we didn't blink twice we didn't blink once like we knew what we wanted to do we said this is it right here and it's crazy because like you were telling me about the skills that he had and you and about, you know, when you come out here with the with the with the clear mind and a focused mind, you could see the the best and the worst in people. You could see the potential in people. And yes. you've seen the worth and the value in your cousin and the possibilities of what you guys could accomplish together. You see that power. You came out with that power, with that education, yeah. with that with that uh, you know, with that motivation, you know the what motivation. I'm saying? And you guys brought out the best in each other. Each other you yeah. know what I'm saying? What's the name of the business? So it's uh, Castillo Renovations. Castillo yeah. Renovations. Okay, Castillo so Renovations. what all do you guys do? Represent, baby. You oh, know man. what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> well, we do. Uh, we do it all, man. We do paint. Uh, you know, drywall work. Uh, we do tile. Uh, not so much cabinets and stuff, but uh, carpentry. You know, mm-hmm. like trim work, um, crown molding, baseboard, whatever you name it. And um, the, I heard you guys got a, got a big job right now that you guys are doing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Doing nice, nice little house in uh, Canton. So okay. Beautiful. Moving house. on up. Oh, yeah, right. Feels yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, that's dope, though. But, um, that's good. And it's, it's inspirational. Oh, man, it's a blessing. Yeah. And, and it was crazy how it all fell together because he came home and, you know, working at a restaurant and, and all that. And, you know, not really enjoying it too much. And mm-hmm. he came home and he's like, man, I heard you do this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, yeah, man, you're right. I do do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, why aren't you doing it? I'm like, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Why, why, yep. why? Why not? So we're here with Travis Castillo. He's been telling us a little bit about his story, where he grew up at, what life was like being raised by a single mother. You know what I'm saying? Bouncing around city for, uh, from city to city, you know what I'm saying? Uh, obtaining that cultural awareness. Um, so, you know, we're talking a little bit about the business that he started with his cousin. And we're going to get back to that. But, you know, what I wanted to talk about was... Um, your time in prison, when you went to yeah. prison as a youth, you went there young and then you got out and I think, what, you went back later. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that journey, man. So like I was saying earlier, so uh, I was breaking into houses and I got caught up for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to prison. 
uh, they gave me the HIDA program, which is for uh, youthful offenders. What and was it like at 17 going to prison at that at 17, age? Like, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you hear these stories about how you go in, you got to swing on the biggest dude you see, all mm-hmm. that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I go in there, I didn't know what to expect, but, you know, they got a, they got a Latino unity in there, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, the Latinos pulled me in, you know, they kind of showed me that love. Okay. So uh, they showed me the ropes, how to do time and stuff. And You talked about Chico Vicuña, too. Yeah. Now, shout out to Chico Vicuña. This brother been in prison 40, 40 plus years. You know, good, solid brother. He's been a pillar for the for the Latino community within the prison. Yeah. And, uh, you know, much love to him, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so he pulled me up under his wing and taught me you know, how to kind of, like, do my bit. But, you know, I wasn't trying to hear all that. You know, I mm-hmm. was in there to basically just... Learn how to become a better criminal. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to learn how to change my life. I didn't want to go to school. They was trying to force me to go to school. I didn't want to learn anything. Then when you go to jail, you got to pick your flag up. You know what I'm saying? So that bring a whole other thing you into it. guys from the neighborhood. Standing on your traffic, southwest, mm-hmm. the east side, everywhere, you know? So you run into guys and, uh, you know, you kind of just start doing what uh, they're doing. Gambling, uh, mm-hmm. trying to smuggle or uh, gambling, uh Whatever, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So we was doing that and um, wasn't trying to learn anything. And But I got out. But mm-hmm. I got out because it was only How it was long did you do? Hit. Well, the high that you can, the max you can do is three years. Okay. I did about two and a half. Two and a half years, okay. Two and a half. All right. And, so, you, uh, so you get out, where you at now with it? I get out, boom. My my mom, she moved to Centerline with uh, my stepdad, which is uh, Ray, her, hus- her okay. husband at the time. Okay. Much love to Ray. You know, he's been holding me down. That's my support system right there. It's my baby. So, uh, so I I get out and they move to uh, Sterling Heights, which is right next to Warren. Okay. And they want to give me a better life. You know, they're like, well, if we feel like we move out there, we give him a better life. We'll have a better life. Mm-hmm. You know, and Ray, he's from Hamtramck, so uh, he knows how it is. He's been locked up before. Mm-hmm. So you know, I get out and you know, we kind of bump heads because I wasn't trying to change. Yeah. I wasn't trying to change. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of them guys that said I ain't gonna be back. I told them guys, I'll, be, I'll probably be back. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know, Damn, see, I'm either going to... I mean, you just being, re- being dire realistic. Dire shootout. Dire shootout. You know, That's how You knew where you was at in your life, man. Yeah. So did you know that you was going... You know, you was prepared for that, to accept that? I was prepared for that. You know, because it's crazy because a lot of times, you know, in life, even even like growing up, you like when I first picked up my flag, like I, I was like, I already knew what I was committed to. I was willing to kill for it. I was willing to die for it. I was willing to go to prison, steal you know, for steal for it, whatever that the by all means necessary syndrome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I understand it. I could definitely relate to that for sure, man. But uh, so so you get out and what are you doing? You get now. You just spent a couple years in there. You went in there at seventeen. Get out. I kind of just, you know, I want to please my mother, so I want to work. But at the same time, I want to pick up the bag and start breaking in the houses again. The houses was bigger in Sterling Heights. I was like, all I seen was gold. So uh, I started doing that, and you know, I feel bad for that. You know, there's remorse there. There's remorse there. Uh, but speaking of it, at that point. What I was doing at that point, I wasn't thinking about nobody else. I wasn't thinking mm-hmm. about those people out there. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about the community out there. I was thinking about me. Mm-hmm. Your needs and your needs. wants. Yeah, my needs, my wants, and and what I had to do to get that. So uh, I started doing that again, and um, I got away with it for a while. And then uh, it caught up to me, like it always does. Mm-hmm. You can't get away with it forever, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no caught, doubt. Caught up to me. And, uh, <clears throat> sometimes that honey be sweet, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes, you know, salt look like sugar, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's like, dang, bro, you know, you you just living this way until you get caught. Sometimes you know eventually it's going to come. You just, you know, getting it while you can, while mm-hmm. it's getting it, while the getting's good. Yeah. You know? So um, so what happened? Like, you end up getting caught up again. You go, how old were you when you ended up going back to prison? I was 21. I had just turned 21. I only been 21 a couple months. Damn. Okay. So I go back, and, uh, you know, this time it's different. I didn't get to hide a program I'm with the big dogs now. Mm-hmm. 10 to 40 years they gave me Damn. to break it into a house. 10, 10 to, 40. to 40 years. Yeah, what well, they deemed you like a criminal, uh, career criminal. Career criminal. Yeah. Your second time on a career criminal. <laughs> Damn, but that's how it is, you know, and they, and, they, and they cooked me. They said, you're going to do this time. I didn't have mm-hmm. a choice. So I went in there to do that time. It wasn't no hide at this time. There wasn't no leniency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, we don't get good time, that's for sure. No, sir. Yeah. Flat. Do it all. So what was it like going to prison at that age? Like, you know, what, you know, especially with that kind of time on your hands. Like, uh, like, how did you go in there? You know, head first? Did you dive in? Or did you take your time? Or, you know, you had already was familiar with the environment a little bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But... Now it's like, now you, now you got to make this your home. And that was the difference with me because, you know, I had went to prison for two years for a pistol case. And then a year later, they can't charge me with the murder case. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I went in with the mentality, I'm going to do two years and get back home. And now all of a sudden, I got another 14 years added on to it. And on top of that, catch another case in prison, got more time, and then got flopped because I caught the case. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, I felt like I was going to never get out of prison. You know what yeah. I mean? So so, so I, I definitely understand, you know, how you can feel like, you know, like, damn, bro, this is it, you know? Yeah, that's how I felt, too. I said this was it. I was like, this is it right here. And uh, everybody that was holding me down at the time knew that uh, I went in there and I wasn't playing no roles. Mm-hmm. Dove straight up in there. Where my first mm-hmm. fire at, my first bag at, mm-hmm. my first knife at. Everybody yeah. knows it. Mm-hmm. And, uh... So I went in there, and uh, I just took off. You know, I already started in a high level and uh, for having the 10 years. So they started me off at a high level as it was. And it was oh, yeah, you had to start off in level four level and then four. work your way down. Yeah. And then a year and a half later, maybe not even that, I was already in max, already level five. Dang. Yeah, laid me down. What happened? So, uh... So I'm at a facility bouncing around because, you know, you get into a fight here. They bounce you to another place. Mm-hmm. You know how it goes. I do know how it goes. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I ended up being at a facility and, you know, they, you know, it was like uh, they came to me, you know, cuffed me up, shut down the whole facility for a couple of days and said that, uh, that I was uh, attempting to break out of prison. They said that they uh, were scared for uh, the uh the way that they were is the good protection of the order the of the safety, staff yeah, the order and all staff, that. Yeah. Saying that uh, there were going to be some guys to come break me out. Damn. Yeah. So what happened after that? Because you know, I, I know they, I they know. buried me after that. You know they buried me. You know they put me in the hole. They sent me to max. They treated me like a kingpin of some sort. They put me on STG two, which is a gang leader. What? Let let them under know what STG two means. Like the STG stands for what? Uh, uh, Security threat group. Okay, security threat group it's number me. two though. So there's two, two levels. There's STG one and STG two. There's STG one and two. STG one means that you are part of a gang or you're affiliated in some sort. 
Mm-hmm. And then STG2 would be that you are a, a type of a leader mm-hmm. that you okay. have influence over people. Okay. All and, right. Uh, and then that automatically shoots you to max, right? Shoot me to max. Okay, for that. And how much time did you do in max? Um, I did uh, close to nine years in max all together. Mm-hmm. Close to nine years. Uh, they, uh, they gave me uh, automatic five years for mm-hmm. the attempted escape. They gave you a new case, right? No, they didn't give me a new case because it didn't happen, but they gave okay. me the attempt. On oh, attempt as escape, tickets, okay. you know how they do the write-ups. Mm-hmm. And told me that I had to do part of the five years, I had to do five of those years in max. Oh, automatic. okay, yeah. Okay, I got to see. I see what you're saying. Automatic. So you, you, you was doing five off bail. Off bail, and then being an STG2, you can only be in level five. So they stuck me there, basically saying you got to do the five years, and as long as you're on STG two, you also got to stay in level five. How long were you in the hole for? Uh, for that for that particular uh, situation, mm-hmm. I was only in the hole for six months. For six months, because okay. that they had a high security there, you had limited movement. You was locked down twenty three hours a day, so mm-hmm. they wasn't worried about me trying to break out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the whole facility is like being in the hole. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Pretty much, it's like you're yeah. in the hole already. <laughs> So, like, um, you know, I, I know you talked about going back and forth to the hole, and uh, you even came home from, from being, uh, no, you said level four, right? Yeah, I was level went four. I, I dropped To out. level four, yeah, okay. So, how did you, like, what did you learn through that whole process of being in level five, going to the hole, like, right. you know, just all the, all the mischief that you had got yourself right. into in there? So, now that we talked about all the trouble that I've gotten into, you know, mm-hmm. and all the prison stuff, so... There was a, you know, a, 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 a wake up moment, you know, and that was being in the hole. So I'm in the hole. Here I am in Max. I'm in the hole. Uh, I did about a year and a half straight in the hole. Wow. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I can't go. I can't get worse than this. Mm-hmm. It can only get better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, then yeah, how you- can I continue that? How can I get better? From getting out the hole, which is better from being in the hole, mm-hmm. than getting from a level five to getting to a level four, or getting that STG mm-hmm. to getting off STG, mm-hmm. to not having a job to getting a job, not having a GED to getting a GED. Mm-hmm. So how can I keep this ball rolling? Absolutely. How can I do this? So That's dope. I sat there and thought about it, and I was like, like I was telling you earlier, there's nothing to it but to do it because the only people I was hurting was my family, the people that supported me, and I lost so many people. I lost. So many people. Mm-hmm. And like, like, what did you lose them to? Like, what, like, who did you lose? How many? Like, I mean, I lost uh, both of my brothers. Mm-hmm. So I lost one brother to a drug addiction. Okay. I lost another brother to a, a shooting. Mm-hmm. I lost my mother to breast cancer. And that was that was tough. That's you know, a lot being to do, especially prison. being in prison because being you know you 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 know you ain't really got you not you know you got the brotherhood you got the brothers they always gonna come try to support you have your back and things like that but it ain't nothing like being with your family nothing. you know you want that you want to be able to comfort them you need their comfort especially losing someone like your mother bro your mm-hmm. brother like that's the siblings things like that bro like you know that'll tear at your spirit man you know what I'm saying that's not easy to get through you know without your family support mm-hmm. you know. And I lost, uh, my grandpa just passed away from COVID. I was out for that. So luckily I got out in time to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost an uncle when I was locked up. I lost mm-hmm. uh, an auntie when I was locked up. Mm-hmm. I lost one of my sister's mothers when I was locked up. Man. And I lost so many people. 
mm-hmm. so many people. And here I am, still getting in trouble, still, all I'm doing is hurting them. I'm not hurting myself, I'm doing the time. Because mm-hmm. my time's gonna go regardless. I got 10 to 40, my time's moving, no matter if I'm in the hole, if I'm in a level one, my time's rolling. Mm-hmm. And I was hurting them more than I was hurting myself. Did you read any books when you was in the hole? Absolutely. What like what what are some of the books that may like inspired you or kind of gave you like an awakening? You know. So when I started making that transition to like, uh, hey, what does that sound? Wanting man? to change. So when I started, when I wanted to make that transition, I knew that uh, that I wanted to keep up with uh, getting my GED and reading books. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started reading books and uh, educational books. You know, I knew I was good at math, mm-hmm. physics. I like to learn different things about physics and uh, them types of sort. I even read about philosophies, uh, 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 materialistic dialects. I didn't learn about Nico Machiavelli. I didn't learn, I didn't read so many books. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it enlightened me. You know, it taught me a lot about life. Mm-hmm. Life skills. Journals. Like, that was, that was like, when I took when I signed up for all them life skills classes, you know, parenting classes, cage of rage, critical thinking, communication, like all the chance for life pro- uh, uh, programs that they had, like man, I got so educated, bro. Like yeah. it really, like I see so much growth. Like it took me some time, you know. They gave me the information. I had to filter the information, comprehend the information, and 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 start to apply the information and make these changes in my life that really made life changing, you know, results. You know what yeah. I mean? And here I am. Home home now and it's spilling over you know into everybody who's near me and 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 I'm just watching everybody around me thriving do better feel better you know even if it's just to get somebody through the day make them smile make them yeah. feel love you know what I mean like like I said man we're a source of power man we got a lot of love we got a lot yeah. of good energy and we need to share the wealth and share our blessings with our loved ones and our people in our community man you know and if nothing else man just say a prayer man you know just say a prayer for the people, you know, we can't change the whole world, but we could change the world that we live in for sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so now you guys are working together. Now you got your own business going. Like, what's the future looking like for you guys? And and uh, I remember you was telling me that this was the jack of all trades. He's yeah. the one that knew everything, and then he's starting to you know teach teach you with, yeah. about you know doing all the work. So I make my way out. You know, I kind of just fall back. You know, on the the gang bang and stuff. I start falling back on uh. You know, just uh, getting into it with guys and uh, gambling and things like that. I didn't want to do those things no more, so I started falling back and learning, like you said, all the classes you had. Mm-hmm. So I made my way out, and uh, you know, well, it was only a couple of days till I ran into my cousin. So I run into him, and he's like, "I'm like, you know, like you said, I'm like, what are you doing?" He's like, "I'm doing this, uh, making money at this uh, this restaurant." So I'm like, "That's cool." And uh, I thought you did this and this. He says, "I do." So I told him I was looking for work. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, shit, we can go work together. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, bet. So we started working with his sister and doing work and stuff. Next thing you know, a contractor comes in. He's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, what's it look like we're doing? Whipping this bitch. You know, we was yeah. like, whipping the brush. What kind of job know? were you doing? You was painting? I was painting a uh, basement floor, man. Yeah. I was painting a basement floor. You know, I got a couple pretty out. or nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it was like, man, look at your number, man. Mm-hmm. Took my number down and that was it, you know. Now we, you know, we've been getting work nonstop from him, you know what I mean. But you know, we want to kind of branch off and you know do our own thing eventually. You know? 
Yeah. I heard about your mishap yesterday on the freeway. The tire oh. came off and everything. Mm-hmm. I tell man, you, I was man, so like, close to being home, man. I was so excited. I'm like, man, get home, eat some dinner. You just you like know? don't never know what life gonna throw man, at it, you, it's man. It's crazy. Uh, it, you don't you really don't. And it, it's yeah. I seen you post, and then we was in our interview, and and, and he man. was like, man, cause the whole tire blew off. I said, oh <laughs> lord, tire. man, yeah, eighty down the freeway. Tire popped mm-hmm. off. Like that's terrible, man. Well, I'm glad that I'm you glad okay though. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. So I was like, uh, so we're working and stuff, and uh, I'm thinking, like, he, you know, I knew he had some skills, but I didn't think he had the skills like he has. Mm-hmm. That boy right there, he can do anything, put anything together, can fix anything. So uh, I kind of, like, utilized that. You know, I gave him the motivation, and, you know, he gave me motivation to want to work because, you know, coming out, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know what type of work that I was going to do. Mm-hmm. That oomph I needed, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's dope. That's yeah. good. We got to it. We're going to start our own business. All right, what's it going to be called? Because mm-hmm. the renovations. doesn't sound that simple, but it is. Mm-hmm. You got to put yourself out there, man. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the effort. Mm-hmm. And we did that. You know, like we was working. We, well, we was working on this job for what, three days? <laughs> Only three days. It might not come in three days. It might not come in three weeks. But it does come. you got to put in the mm-hmm. time and the effort. And we did that. I mean, mm-hmm. even even since then, I mean, you know, just the people that come in and see our work. Like, man, we get you, you got a car? No doubt. And just I wish I could just whip out a business. You know, yeah. that's, that's more the one thing I'm missing is the business card. that's what you got to do, bro. Card. Professional, yeah, but, get them but business cards. You know, but it's like, but I can, you know, take my number down, man. Or, yep. you know, we'll exchange numbers and keep in touch. I, I still got a guy that I met months ago. Like, when we first, our very first big house that we mm-hmm. did with this guy. He still calls me to this day. Dang. Like, hey, Jake, you got you got room? You got room? I got a house, man. I got, I'm like, man, I'm busy, bro. I'm sorry. Dang. But, you know what I'm saying? So it's just... So it sounds like, like you need that. to expand. But, right, exactly. but see, the thing about that expanding is that the workers you have have to do the same oh, quality of exact. work that you yeah. do. That is the hardest Because, your, yeah, your workers idea. have to be a reflection of your quality and your right. standard in what you do. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. But but it's like you know I I used to ask guys in the classes like you know got when by the time I was in level one and guys were getting ready to go home I said man you got to ask yourself the question are you going home to be a burden or an asset to your community to your family to yourself you know what I'm saying and that's an honest question that you really got to ask yourself and and I just love to see brothers who are assets who come home take care of their business stay focused want to thrive you ain't trying to keep up with everybody else you just you just, you know, you, you march it to the beat of your own drum, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, man, I did an interview uh, uh, with a lady for the Detroit Free Press. And, and she asked me, like, how, how you been doing through the pandemic? And not to seem, like, insensitive to anybody struggling with the COVID, but I was like, what pandemic? Like, I've been thriving. You know what I'm saying? I'm running youth classes, the Hoven Noble Youth Classes through the DHDC. I, I, I work there as a youth mentor. I'm running classes. Like, like one of the biggest challenges for me when I came home was technology, bro, the phones, the yeah. laptops, and all that stuff. So when I was working at the agency, like, I had... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of help there. You know, in the youth department, people were helping me out get get by. But now that I had to work from home, like I, I I've excelled so much. You know what I'm saying? I built my credit up. Like everything is just going good, man. I just been sticking to the script. You know what I mean? And and that's that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is just you know getting a bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just doing 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 the responsible things. Just even having a license. Like yeah. you got grown ups in our neighborhoods who just don't value the concept of having insurance on a car or having you know health insurance. Or you know, I know sometimes it's hard for them to be able to afford it. But at least do what you can to improve your life the best way yeah. that you can. You know, constantly invest in yourself and in your situation. Yeah. You know, I know it's hard for people to think big because you're surrounded by everything that's so small. 
You know what I mean? So you constantly looking for some type of inspiration. You know, let, let, let us inspire you. You know, let God inspire you, man. Let life inspire you. Because, you know, Thanks. you know, one day I was in the joint and, and, and life was beautiful. I'm talking about the sky was blue. The birds was chirping. But I was in a mental, I was having a bad day, bro. So, like, you know, when you're having a bad day, can't nothing go right for you, man. So I'm, I'm, about, to spend, I'm, I'm about to spend some laps with the homie and Bill with him for a minute. And I happened to glance over at a guy. And this guy, he got two rods for legs. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm assuming he was in the military or something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and probably lost his legs and somehow managed to get in some trouble and got himself in prison. But this guy, he, he got two sticks for legs. He's over there doing push-ups, crunches. <laughs> yeah. Like he's living his best yeah. life. And, and it just awakened me. I was like... You know, what, what, what am I mad about? You know what I'm saying? I got hands, feet, eyes, everything is good. I'm in good health. Like, you know, I just, you learn to appreciate things. Like they say, man, I know it's cliche, but you never know what you got until you ain't got it no more. You know, when you go to prison, man, the first thing they take, your socks, your drawers, and your dignity. And everything in life after that, you got to earn it back. You know what I'm saying? And we out here thriving, baby. You hear me? Shout out to my brother, Juan Juan, baby. I see you. Huh? All my family, JJ, my nigga, wrong, everybody to support, man. All my family, friends, loved one, Jose Rivera, you know what I'm saying? My man, BY at Legendary, my man, Mark Riley at Classics, my brother at LA Landscaping. Huh? What's yeah. up with the Castillo so, Empire? You know Castillo, what I'm saying? You know? Get your house fixed, get What's your porch up, fixed, man? whatever you need. Let's make it Sunny, happen. You know? They going to work up? with you. Keep us up. My Frankie, man. what's up? That's all my dogs. What's up? Natalia, yeah. I see you, girl. Tracy, I love you. Hey, listen, man. Check it out, man. I had my own CD made, you know. It's the El Nino podcast CD mixed by Detroit DJ Dan. It's live, man. They on deck. So, you know, come holla at your boy. Come check it out if you still like, you know, freestyle, man. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my man Bells, too, man. Yeah, my so dog. it's been four months, you know. I've been out four months. And, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle coming out. You know, they don't have the support that I had. But four months has been like, what? We got a business going. Got a car, got the license, mm -hmm. health insurance, everything that I need. Mm -hmm. Crib roof over my head, food on the table, everything. Mm -hmm. Make a little cash to put in my pocket in four months. In four months. Hey, look at you, boy. You out here looking good, boy. <laughs> Thanks to my uncle, you know, looking fly. You know what I'm <laughs> out there in Puerto Rico. What's up, uncle? Hey, man, it's crazy coming home after 17 years and just seeing the creativity, how, 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 how these generations have evolved. And designs like cl shoes. I came out and was like, the shoes are so crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, who even thunk? Like, you had to be so open minded to create. And then, and then the materials that they make shoes out of, and then the prices of the shoes. I'm like, everything two twenty five these days. I said, they damn near gotta sell drugs to get you a pair, Jordan. No, nah, I'm bullshitting though. But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Why they got a pair of $500 shoes? I see you, man. Yeah, man, like nothing. You hear me? I see my little homie Dwayne. Dwayne, uh, he had a little uh, pair of Balenciagas on. Boy, it looked like Moon, like Marvin the Martian boots. You hear me? But they cost $7,000 or whatever, something like 7, that. $7,000? Nah, about $1,200, well, but still. Got, hey, look, his sister got a pair of uh, Dior's. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Nike? The, the, the Forces? Mm-hmm. What are they, like $12,000? Some great. Pair of shoes. 
Damn, bro, that's that's yeah. a lot. I don't know, man. We got money. Even if I had that kind of money, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, know, I don't right. think no, I could do it, man. I'd be scared to scuffle up or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you heard my boy uh, Pat Bates show? He was a guest last week, and he got that living on LOB. Yeah, yeah. that was dope, man. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah man. We be trying to tune in and watch all your shows. You know, even if it's for fifteen minutes, for twenty minutes, mm-hmm. we try to always tune in and watch your shows. Show you support, man. We got a lot of respect for you. What you do in the community, what you're doing with the podcast, reaching out to help people. You know, I know there's people out there that still know me as a friend, that might look up to me, that might doubt me, whatever. People out there that are struggling. Maybe people that are looking at I don't even know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just want to be able to cr- be able to uh, reach out to those people and help them people in any way, give them inspiration, man. And that's what you do on a daily basis, weekly basis. That's what we want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we want to give people jobs. You know, we want to help out. We want to do for our community. Maybe we help produce. Maybe help, produce maybe help bring up sir. some of the houses that are out there in Southwest where we grew up or where we're from, you know, and mm-hmm. just bring the community back. That's dope, man. I love it, bro. Yeah. I love it. Yep. So, um, so have, like, how much contact have you had with your father since you've been home? Like, So, me and my pops were real cool. I mean, we, uh, we got this... Uh, kind of this this homeboy bond you know kind of like you know i look at him he looks at me we show each other respect we show love for each other you know that boy's uh, an animal on a workout tip your dad is an animal he just started back up sit there and do 700 pull-ups i'm like oh yeah you make me tired just looking at you (laughs) let me take a walk he'd be flexing uh on facebook i'll flex yeah i'll be seeing (laughs) it i'm like man stop playing but you know congrats to you man you look good boy Yeah, yeah I don't know what I got to do, man. I'm over here built like a buttermilk biscuit. You know, I got to get my life together, but it's all good. Good eggnog, good Christmas, everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm loving it. But I definitely got to get it together. You hear me? Yeah. Yep. So, um, listen, we're going to get over here and get to the signing of the wall, bro. You know what I mean? Get you, put your name, put you on the yeah. map real quick. And I got an item with me, man. I'm wearing it right now, though. Okay. You know what? Damn, that's my bad. Listen. Let's tell the story. We got the show and tell piece that we do. So I got a show and tell piece. You know, I just want to dedicate this to my grandpa uh, that passed away from COVID uh, last month. Mm. And uh, so I went over to my grandma's house for Christmas and she gave me this watch. My grandpa's watch. And uh, she engraved my uh, name in the back of it and stuff. Wow, for real? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a good man, man. He served this country long Mm -hmm. before I was born. Mm-hmm. He's from Southwest, man. He knows probably all the owners. Uh, every restaurant. Every restaurant, every owner. <laughs> every can cook any dish. But uh was a very good man. He taught me a lot about uh, morals and respect. You know, he taught me a lot about uh about God. He helped mm-hmm. me get through my time. You know, he helped uh pull me out of my struggles and uh you know, so thank you, grandma, and this is for my pops, my grandpa. Man, my that's so dope, yeah. bro, to have something like that, bro. Like you know, I miss my grandfather too, man. Like he yeah. was one of the most realest, most sincerest people. He was so solid, you know what I mean? Like he was a man, you know, and he was gonna mm-hmm. teach you he wasn't biased or none of that. He would talk to everybody the same, treat him the same, but he always tell you, like, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, man. You know? Yep. So, um, you know, I you know, we miss our elders like that, but you know, they passing the torch on to us, man. So it's us to set a new standard, you know, on how we live our lives, man. But we gotta be example of that every day, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I definitely love seeing you guys do good, especially at your age, man. Ten years from now, you guys, man, you guys can be, you know, sky's the limit, man, for sure, bro. Yeah, and, and anything that I could do to help you brothers, man, you know. I appreciate it. You know, support your local people, man, for sure. So let's get to the signing of the wall. Let's get you on this thing. And it got me upset. Living in the 
This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.